So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to invite you to turn to me with James chapter 4, verse 13 and 17. And I, I want to talk to you about something. As you know, we're, we're in between series, which means I, I do some standalone messages. In other words, I do... I just simply preach some, some, some messages that God has given me a burden for, that I, I, that, that I just have a tremendous burden for that not, all, not always works in a, in, a, in a series. And so this is a group of passages that, that I look at every year. When we life journal, we read these at the end of the year as well. And I look at these passages when I look towards the next year and maybe what God has for me or word for me or, or, or any of those things. And it, it's these, three, these, three, these four verses is what I look at. So we've entitled this message, If Tomorrow Could Talk. If tomorrow could talk, what would it say to you? If, see, I believe that's one of the focuses of the book of James. James is saying, you know what, if tomorrow could talk, it would, it would say these things about your life. I mean, it would be a fascinating thing that if tomorrow could talk to us and talk to us about decisions we're making, things that we're, we're putting in place to help us to understand, you know what, that's really, if tomorrow could talk to you, that's really not a good thing to do. If tomorrow could talk to you, this, this is really what you should do. And so this is, this is what's happening. We're almost dropping in a conversation that James is like having with a group of people from his church. Church. Pastor James is like, like at Starbucks, and he's having coffee with, his, with, with some people from his church, and they're marketplace people, they're business-type people, and all of a sudden, they're having this conversation o- over coffee. Then all of a sudden, things get serious when Pastor James begins to speak into their life, and he begins talking to them think, uh, about how to approach the future, how to, how to view the future. If you look at, at, at Americans right now, it seems like we're obsessed with the future, right? It seems like we're obsessed, and some of us ha- can have some fear of the future, whether it's about war or terrorism or the, the political unrest that's in, in our country and other countries, whether it's some economic things, whether it's, whether, it's, whether it's outbreaks of things or whatever. It seems like that Americans are focused on the future. And a lot of people are turning to tarot cards and palm readers and, and, and horoscopes and, and anything and everything that they can find that gives them some confidence about the future. And so James begins to speak into this group's life, and I think he has much to say to us in that if tomorrow could talk. So I'm going to read all the verses, and then we're just going to walk through them together this morning. Verse 13, he says, Come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What, what, it, what is your life? It's a huge question. For you are a mist that appears for a little little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is, it is sin. So James begins to talk to them about this issue about if, if tomorrow could talk. So three things. If tomorrow could talk, it would say, the first one is this, don't plan without God. Don't plan your life without God. Understand that God desires to have a relationship with you, but it's much deeper than that. God desires to be a part of your life, to be a part of your daily life. James says in verse 13, he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So when you look at this verse, you got to ask yourself, well, what is wrong with that? 
I mean, really and truly, that's a, that's a great business plan. I mean, it answers the when and the where and the how and the what and, and the why. I mean, the when is today or tomorrow. The, the where is we're going to do it in this city. They've selected the city. Uh, the, the where is the city and the, the how long is. He says, you know what? It's going to be about a duration of a year. We have this business plan. We're going to do business in this city, and they're going to carry their business out. And then the why, the bottom line is we're going to make some money. We're going to make a profit. And so you have to ask yourself, well, what is wrong with this? Nothing's wrong with this. I mean, the Bible doesn't condemn making a profit. The Bible doesn't condemn a business plan. The Bible doesn't condemn making money. I mean, when you look at this, you, 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 the fact is the Bible doesn't even condemn planning. The Bible talks a lot about this issue of planning. And so you got to ask yourself, what is Pastor James upset about? Why is he pressing into these business people? Why is he pressing into these people about this issue of, about the future? And here, here it is. There's not a single mention of God in this. There's not a single mention of God in their business plan. I mean, they, they already knew what they wanted. They know how to make a profit. They know how to do business. And in other words, they're like, you know what? We don't need God in our business. I mean, we're educated. We've got degrees. We, we, we've been trained. We're smart enough. We've been doing this long enough that basically, you know what? We know what to do. Basically, we really do not need God in, in our business plan. Jesus would talk about making a plan. And he, well, he said this, uh, Luke chapter 14, 28. He said, for which of you desiring to build a tower? does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. And Proverbs talks over and over that, that the wise person plans. It's unfoolish. The, the foolish person doesn't plan. And, and, and he's, he's talking about, he's, he's not talking about planning, but he's talking about planning your life without God. And he's saying it's okay to have dreams, and it's okay to have plans, and it's okay to have goals, but you have to come to the place you allow God to speak to you. There's, there's nothing wrong with what he did. It's what he forgot. He forgot God. It's, it's the attitude of self-sufficiency. James would say this is arrogance. This is boasting. In other words, when you make your plans for the future, it, it should include God. You should come to the place to where you allow God to speak into your business. You allow God to speak into your plans. Andrew, uh, I'm sorry, Alexander Saul is, is a historian. And uh, I, I just recently read something that he had written, and, and I'm just going to quote him. Uh, he said this. He's, he's a historian uh, well, let me just read it. He said, since I've spent over 50 years working on the history of the Russian Revolution, in the process I've collected hundreds of personal testimonies, read hundreds of books, contributed eight volumes of my own. But if I were asked today to formulate as precisely as possible the main cause of the destructive revolution that swallowed up some 60 million Russians, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat the phrase, men have forgotten God. What is more, if I were called upon to identify the principal trait of the entire 20th century, I would be unable to say anything more precisely than this statement, men have forgotten God. See, this, this is what James is talking about. James is talking about the problem is, men, you, you've forgotten God. You've forgotten God in your, in your marriage. You've forgotten God in your relationships. You've forgotten God in your, in your business you have forgotten God in your future. In other words, you've forgotten God in your daily life. See, the danger of the spiritual life and the danger of your relationship to Christ is that if you're not careful, you can compartmentalize your life. In other words, that you've got like a church compartment or you like got like a God compartment, and then you've got your professional life or your business or your trade or your career compartment. You've got maybe your dating life compartment. You've got your family life compartment. You've got your hobby compartment. And 
and God's, God's over here. And you've compartmentalized. See, that, that's what James' issue is. James' issue is, guys, you, you've compartmentalized God. And you don't understand, God wants to be involved in every compartment. In fact, is that's, that's where the word integrity comes from. That God wants to be involved in every compartment, every area of your life. That's one of the reasons I, I am so passionate about life journaling here. Just a systematic reading through Scripture, 20 minutes a day of reading through Scripture. A couple of weeks ago, about, about 100 people met with Karen and I over in the theater. And I mean, it was just such an awesome night. And we just simply learned to life journal together. We just simply learned to take Scripture and apply it to our life. Because the important thing is about life journaling or reading of Scripture is allow God to speak to you. It's a reminder to you and to, I, and, and to me that God wants to speak into your life. And, and so we've been reading through the, the book of, of James, and, and James talks about this a lot, if, if tomorrow could talk. James is like the, the New Testament counterpart to Proverbs in the Old Testament. And so James 3.18, we were life journaling. This is one of my life journal verses here a couple of days ago. And, and so here's what the Scripture says. He says, in, in those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of, of righteousness. In other words, James would say that, that if tomorrow could talk, be a peacemaker. If tomorrow could talk, sow seeds of peace into your relationships, into your business, into your life. It doesn't take any work to be a critic. It doesn't take any work to be judgmental. It doesn't. In fact, is James says that when we come to the place and we're criticizing others and we're judging others, we're actually judging the law and acting like it has nothing to do with us. It is all about them, and it's about all of the mistakes they're making. It's about everything that they, they need to change. In other words, what James says is come to this place in your life that you're able to sow seeds of peace, and you will reap a harvest because the law of the harvest is this. You reap what you sow, right? You, you sow peace, you'll reap peace. You sow criticism, you'll, you'll, you'll reap criticism. You sow uh, a judgmental life, you'll reap a judgmental life. And this is what James is talking about. There's a lot of people that love the Lord with their heart. But they never come to the place to allow God to invade their personal life, their marriage, their business plans, their future, to where they take his word. I, I cannot tell you how many conversations that Karen and I have had over life journaling and simply talking about, about Scripture. And I love Christian books. I love Christian devotionals, but they're still a secondary resource. And there's something about when we can come to the place, when we read Scripture for ourselves and we apply it and we realize, you know what? God will speak directly to me. And I just take his word and I, 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 I apply it. See, I think it's sad when, when I'm out in the community and I'm talking to someone about God and I ask them about their relationship with God or do they know God. And I think it's sad when someone tells me that, you know what, I, I'm, you know, I respect your position, but uh, I, I don't believe God exists and, and I, I don't believe there is a God. And so I, I, I think that's a sad position. But can I tell you what I believe is, is sadder? Is when a Christian or when a person says, I, I believe in God, I believe He exists, but doesn't make any plans that involve Him. It's like a practicing atheist. That by the decisions and the life that they live, it's like, it's like God, God's not even involved in their life. God is something that's been compartmentalized out. 
And, and so, so the solution is this. James would give us a solution. Just include God in your plans. If tomorrow could talk, tomorrow would simply tell you, make sure you include God in your plans. I mean, he says this, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I mean, I, I love it that, that the word if is in there. Have you ever noticed that even the best laid plans of mice and men often fall through? I mean, it, you, anyone ever experienced like Murphy's Law? That if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong? I mean, anybody's plans have come, have, have come exactly true, like, like your Christmas plans. How about your Christmas shopping? Every, in, every, anybody in here? Everything's going exactly to plan. I mean, I'm having some challenges just right now. I mean, I've ordered some stuff, and see, it's complicated for me because uh, when I order stuff online, I cannot have it delivered to our house. My wife has a spiritual gift of finding out what's in the box, and... And I've talked to UPS and FedEx more than, on more than one occasion. says, why do you keep shipping me boxes that are, unop- that are opened? I do not understand that. You should not open our boxes in delivery. I do not understand how that happens. And so you know what? I started having them shipped to other places. And you know what? Now they come sealed. I don't understand the change, but I'm sure there, there's a change in there. I mean... I mean, we all have problems, right? You can order the wrong things. You can have the wrong stuff delivered. Um, our, our, our grandson is, is he five, Gavin? Yeah, he's five. I want to get verification. Uh, the other day, while our daughter was, was, was not watching him on the tablet, uh, he ordered a bunch of stuff on Amazon. <laughs> and she's like, Gavin, how, how, did you, how, did you, how did you know the password? She said, that's easy, Mom. It's the, same, it's the same password as our garage code. I mean, he's five. How do they know stuff like that? And so he just he hacked in. He figured it out. And he ordered himself some, some books, and he pleaded his case. He says they're educational books. So how can you get mad with that? I mean, I mean life. I mean, here's what's interesting. Right in, the, right in the middle of the word life is the word if. Life is iffy, Right? I don't know what's going to happen tonight, much less tomorrow. I, I can make an educated guess. James is simply saying this, life is ifty, iffy. And James is si- simply saying, because of this, include God in your plans. Because of this, make sure you can lose him, include him in your plans. In other words, come to the place, God, God what do you want me to do? I mean, he says, if, if the Lord wills, what he is saying is, is God, it is... It, it, it is up to you. God, what, what, whatever you want me to do. God, I, we're going we're gonna to do the best we plan. That, that's what we did in 2013, right? In, in 2013, when we started on this journey together, we felt like God called us. We had scriptures. Other people had scriptures that confirmed that. We as a church started moving in that direction. We said, but at the end of the day, God, you're going to have to make a way. You know, if, if it's up to me, if it's up to my plans, 2013, we, we, we bought the land, and by 2016, we'd, we'd be in the building. But but we're waiting for God to direct our, our steps. In other words, there's three possible ways you can, you can approach God's will. You can make reference to it. You can show deference to it. Or you can show preference to it. The first one is this, is, is, is I can make reference to it. That, that, that's, what, that's what he's saying here. In other words, I admit that God has a will, and I admit that he has a plan for my life, and, I make, and occasionally I make reference to it. Or I can make deference to it, and where I defer to it from time to time, and say I really want God's will in my life, and I kind of accept it. Or I can make preference to it, which is, which is the preferred way. I can make preference to it, and I say, God, your will for my life is priority. 
more than anything else, more than my busyness, more than my schedule, more than anything, your will for my life is a priority in my life. That's why Proverbs 6, 9 says we can make our plans, but, but it's, the Lord that determines, it's the Lord that determines our, our, our steps. It's the, he's the one that guides our steps. The second thing is this. If tomorrow could talk, it would say, don't make presumption. Don't make presumption. In other words, don't, don't make a lot of assumptions. Don't assume that I'm going to live forever. Don't assume that I have the rest of my life. Don't assume that I'm going to live 80 or 90 or 100 years and where I say, someday I'm going to. Someday I'm going to serve him. Someday I'm going to do the good that I think God has called me to do. Someday I'm going to get to the place that I'm going to get serious about my spiritual life. Because James says, verse 16, or verse 14, he says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is, your, what, is, what is your life? I mean, this is like a serious conversation at Starbucks. He's like, what is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then, then vanishes. In other words, he gives a couple of reasons why. And one of them is this, is that life is unpredictable. Man, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Listen, none of us know. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us know what's going to happen next month. None of us know what's going to happen next year. All we can do is guess. Listen, but what we do know is life, life is unpredictable. War could break out. The economy could turn down. Uh, friends could leave you. You could lose a business. You could lose customers. You could have difficulty in relationships. You could have health challenges personally. Family members could have health challenges. None of us know what's going to happen next. Man, one day it can be great, and the next day it can be in the pits. Have you ever gotten to that place in your life? I have, unfortunately, to where all of a sudden things are like running, running well. It's like running like a well-oiled machine. And you go, you know what? I got this stuff life down. I mean, it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. And something happens. Something happens. What James says is this. It should not frighten us that life is unpredictable. It should not give us fear, and we should not be worried and afraid about it. It should cause us to press into God. It should cause us. That's why, that's why reading of Scripture is so important. It should cause us to depend on him because he says, other thing about life, life is brief. He says, you're, you're missed. I mean, the Greek, that Greek word for missed is, is, is atmos, which is where we get our word atmosphere. It just, it just means, it means you're temporary. Um, this illustration is easier to understand in South Texas. I, I was born and raised in South Texas, so we dealt with fog a lot. And fog coming off of the coast would roll in in the morning, and it could be so thick that you couldn't see past the, the, the hood of your car. And it could roll in in the morning, and by noon, it's like it's vanished. It's gone, and there's no trace that it's ever been there. James is trying to help them to understand that nobody lives forever. You, your life is temporary. And you're... Your life is, your life is, there's an interesting book on JFK Jr. Uh, it was written, written a number of years ago, and so they were talking about the plane crash that he died in, and they interviewed his mom, Jack, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, and she said, it's just, a, it's just a sobering story, she says, four years before the plane crash, she said, I had a vivid dream that my son was going to die in a plane crash, and it was so vivid, I, I could see the whole thing. And I sat down with John on more than one occasion and asked him to quit flying. Now, she didn't know the time, and she didn't know how, and she didn't know when. Nobody knows when. Nobody knows how. 
James is trying to help them understand that, guess what? The Bible describes our life as a, as a leaf, as a, as a grass, as a, as, a, as a vapor, as a shadow, as a cloud, as a, as a, as a mist, as a, as, as a smoke. In other words, he's trying to help us understand that, that life, is, man, life, is, life is temporary. I mean, it goes from hot wheels to wheelchairs pretty quickly. <laughs> and he said, and life is brief, so do not pre- presume that you have tomorrow. Isaiah talks about this. He says, come, they say. Let's get some wine and have a party. Let's just all get drunk. Then tomorrow we'll do it again and we'll have even a, a bigger party. I mean, you, you know anybody with that kind of an attitude that life is great, life is a party? Life is just one party after another and every party is going to be bigger and greater than, than the one previous? Uh, live it up and just have fun because you know what? We're going to live forever and one day we'll, we'll straighten up. And James says that's a dumb attitude. James says that's a dangerous attitude because you never should presume about tomorrow. Proverbs 27.1 says, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will, will bring. Announcing a goal in life can be a statement of faith or it can be a statement of ignorance. And the difference is, is when God is in the plans, it's a statement of faith. So James says the solution is just learn to live one day at a time. Go ahead and plan about the future, but all you have is today. Go ahead and consider God in your plans, but, but just live one day at a time. Because the future, when we think about the future, it can be overwhelming to us, right? Just live today. He says, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, he, he, said, he said, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for, for today. God says face the future, but you know what? Learn to live one day at a time. The future could be overwhelming, but fortunately it comes in like bite-sized pieces and 24-hour segments. It's, it, it, it's, it's, learning. it's learning to live in today. It's learning to live in the presence. It's, it's learning what James would say, the importance of, of sowing seeds of peace and not seeds of division, not seeds, seeds of judgment, but just learning to sow seeds of peace in any situation, any relationship you're in. I mean, life happens to us where we're still planning about something else. I mean, and if we're honest, today is like the good old days we're going to talk about 15 years from now. And James just says, come to the place just to rest in it. The third and the last thing, if tomorrow could talk, it would say, don't put off doing good. Do not put off doing good. Because life is temporary, nobody knows how much time we have. Because of that, when, when God prompts you to do good, simply do that. This is what he says in verse 17. So he says, so whoever, knows, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is, it is sin. And James is talking about the issue of procrastination. He, he's talking about this issue of that person that's always talking about someday I'm going to. Now, in Texas, we have a phrase, I'm aiming to. I'm aiming to do that. I'm aiming. I had a friend that was always, I'm aiming to do this. I'm aiming to do this. And I, one day I just looked at him and says, well, when are you just going to pull the trigger? I mean, when are you going to quit aiming and just like, like pull the trigger? And this is what James is talking about. Don't put off tomorrow the good that you can do today. Man, so many times when you talk to people to define out sin, it's like an action. It's like, it's like they'll mention murder or adultery or lying or cheating or stealing or an action. And, and that's a sin of commission. But there's also sins of omission. And that is this. That is, that is, that is, that is knowing the good that you should do and not do it. Christianity is way more than just avoiding evil. 
procrastination is a subtle trap. It's, this, it's the land of someday I'm going to do good. Someday I'm going to bless you. Someday I'm going to tell you how much I love you. Someday I'm going to tell you how much you mean to me. Someday I'm going to tell you. Listen, as a pastor, I do way too many funerals. And I have way too many conversations with people. In the front of a funeral home, in the front of a church, at a graveside service, where people are telling me, I just wished I had told them how much I loved them. I wished I'd told them how much they meant to me. You know what? I was supposed to call them. I was supposed to take them to lunch. I was supposed to spend time with them. And James is saying, do not put off doing good in relationships. Because you don't, you don't know what tomorrow... In other words, that's his solution. The solution is just, just do it now. Just do it now. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 say this. He said, do not withhold good from those who deserve it. When it's in your power to help them, if you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow, then I'll help you. Because guess what? You don't know if you have tomorrow. There's something powerful about the person, the individual. that sows seeds of peace in relationships. That is willing to tell other people how they feel. That is willing to tell people I love you. That is willing to tell people you matter to me. That is willing to encourage people that when they're prompted by God, whether it's to do something in ministry, whether it's to get closer involved in a church, whether it's to get closer to Him, that they just, they just, they just like, like do it now. In other words, what Nike says, just do it. James came up with that slogan, now you know where Nike got it. There's three things you can do with your life. You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. You can spend it, and you know what? It's all about you. It's about, it's about your stuff. It's about your materialism. It's about your toys. It's a, it's, you can spend it. You can waste it. Uh, TV commercials are great at teaching us how to waste a life. Or you can, you can invest it. And the best use of life is to invest it on something that's going to last. You know what's going to last? Two things. The Word of God and people. People are going to last forever. They're going to spend eternity in one or two places. They're going to last. The Word of God... That's why we read his scripture, and people, people matter greatly to him. I don't, I don't know why this commercial grabbed me like it did. There's a, there's a Peace Corps commercial, and I mean, it was 10 or 15 years ago, and, and, and their, their tagline, line, which I thought was so great, and I just wrote it down back in those days, it says, if it, it doesn't matter how long you live if you're not doing anything with your life. See, we worry about duration. How long are we going to live? God worries about donation. What are you going to do with your life? And are you going to live your life, every area of your life, what's in your career, your business, your hobby, your relationship, your friends, with him involved? Man, whatever you intend to do for the Lord, just do it now. People matter. People matter to Him. People matter to God so much. He sent His one and only Son to die on a cross so that we could have forgiveness and we could have a relationship with Him. People matter. And so James would just simply tell us whatever the good that you know that you should do, just do it now. And tomorrow would tell you 
that you'll never regret that. You'll never regret the great things and the good things that you've done for people. But regret usually comes from either missed opportunities or the things that you know that you should have done that you withheld. James would tell us that if tomorrow could talk, live your life today with God in mind. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?